This week we're reading about Joseph. Several weeks it takes for us to read about the life of Joseph. And I'm always amazed when I think about how the Parsha last week ends where Joseph is in jail and he remains there. And it ends in verse 23 of chapter 40 of Genesis and it says the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. If you remember cliffhangers, this is sort of a cliffhanger. This man's life ends with nothing resolved, or at least in this chapter it appears that way. We, we read this chapter, chapter 40, and it ends the way that's very unpopular in, in America today. Uh, everybody wants this chapter to end well, don't we? We want preaching. We want teaching. We want encouragement to always make us feel good at the end. And yet the Torah portion ends last week feeling worried for Joseph. If you'd never read the story or didn't know about him, you would just wonder what kind of terrible situation is he in? And is it even possible to get him out of this? And it creates terrific tension on purpose so that you would know as you're reading the Bible that life can be just like this. Life can be filled with tension. It can be filled with difficulty. And God knows how to walk with his people through that. Well, God knew Joseph. That's important. He knew Joseph's strengths. He knew the purpose of Joseph's life what his life was all about. Joseph's brothers didn't really know him. They thought they did. They, they thought that they understood what he was all about, and they hated him. But there was more to Joseph than they knew about. Potiphar's wife didn't know him. She she didn't know his character. She didn't know about his relationship with God. She didn't even care about that. She only wanted to know him carnally. And she didn't want to know the real Joseph. She didn't know him, and she didn't care to know him. That's why she, she could have thrown Joseph into prison when he refused her advances. Because she only knew him through the mirror of her own desires. And when she looked at him, she only saw how she could fulfill her own desires, the lust of the flesh. Some of Joseph's fellow prisoners, like the chief butler or the cupbearer, they, they forgot him. They, they knew he could interpret dreams. They, they knew that he had wisdom. They knew that he served a different God than they did, not the God of Egypt or the gods of Egypt. They knew that he served the God of Israel, the God of his fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. But when they left prison, they didn't even remember him. The chief cupbearer, who's also called the chief butler, didn't remember him, just forgot about him. The Hebrew is so vivid because it repeats it using different words. He didn't remember him. And he forgot him. It's a, a terrible way of describing 
how Joseph just disappeared from this man's memory. And it seems he didn't even think about him for two years. But you know what? God remembered Joseph. God remembered him. God remembered Joseph. Even when others had forgotten about him. And you may be forgotten. You may be forsaken too. You may have had people in your life who should remember you and they don't remember you. It's not that if you showed up, they'd forget who you are. It's that if you showed up, they'd say, oh yeah, I haven't thought about him. I haven't thought about her in a long time. You may be forsaken even by some who should have been faithful to you, but God remembers you. God knows who you are. He knows you. And the way that God knows you is so important because the way that he knows you can help you to know yourself. And that will help you live for God, and it will help you fulfill the purposes that God has for you so that you can live to love and to serve the people that God has put into your life as you're serving him. You can live every day. For God. You can live in a way that pleases God, and you can live in a way that's just right for you, so that it not only pleases Him, it pleases you. You can live in a way that actually is satisfying. Can you believe that? That our God is not similar to some of the gods that are described in religious places, because our God desires joy in his people. Remember those words Yeshua said? He said, love one another as I have loved you, so that the whole world will know that you are my disciples. And he said, if if you can love people and obey the commands that I give you, then your joy will be brought into fullness. So it doesn't matter what the emptiness is. It doesn't matter what the difficulty is that you have faced. It doesn't matter what the challenges are that are in front of you. Your love for God and your service to him can cause joy to rise up in you and bring you incredible contentment no matter what the circumstance is that you're in right now. And God is desiring a joyful people. He's desiring a people that can wake up in the morning and say, wow, it's another day that God has made for me. Now, it doesn't mean that there won't be hard times, and it doesn't mean that there won't be sorrows, and it doesn't mean that there won't be weeping, but what it does mean is that sadness will not steal from you the purpose of your life. And difficulty won't get such a grip on your heart and your mind that it tells you everything is going to go poorly instead of well. You can live each day for God in a way that pleases him, in a way that's right for you, in a way that brings satisfaction and contentment for you. And you know what? If you do that, the Lord will cause all things to work together for good. You see, the universe can't resist God. The universe can't resist 
a person who's serving the Lord according to God's purposes in his life. When the purposes of God get a hold of you and other things loosen their grip on you and let go, you know what? The universe and everything in it begins to reorganize for your good. It doesn't mean there won't be difficulty. It doesn't mean that at all. But it means you'll go through difficulty and something good will come out of it. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You couldn't have imagined the sorrow that you faced. And you could not have believed the comfort that came to you. And you couldn't imagine the strength that was built into you that enabled you to do more than you could have before the sorrows. But you know to this day those sorrows have meaning. And you know to this day that God was with you in the hardest times of your life. And what you thought would destroy you and break you did not. And that's why we sing my oath sore. Rock of Ages, and why we we say God is a, is a mighty rock, and that uh, though our own strength failed us, He broke every sword against us. He was mighty on our behalf. And Hanukkah is a time where we don't just look inwardly and at ourselves, but we look at our people, we look at our history, we look at our future, and we understand God has preserved us. And that is a revelation of his character, of his faithfulness, of his power, and of the way that he surprises us sometimes. For two years... That chief cupbearer, chief butler of Pharaoh, forgot Joseph. Imagine what that's like. Some of you can understand it this way. You apply for a job, the person tells you they're going to get back to you. You want the job. It's a good job. The money's better. The working conditions are better. It's going to use your strength. And they don't call. And how does that make you feel? And they don't call when they said they would, and they don't call after that. And you start saying, should I call them? And then you wonder, if I call them, will they think I'm too pushy? And then will I lose the job that I so much want? And you go through all these mental gymnastics wondering, what's the right thing to do, if anything, when someone doesn't get back to you? The chief butler said, I'll get back to you. When I get out, I'll remember you, man. I'll remember you. I will. Maybe. I will. Sometime, I'll remember you. And this last week's Parsha ends with, with the chief butler not remembering, forgetting everything. He didn't even remember that he forgot. Am I the only one who does that? <laughs> you know, sometimes I forget something, and then I remember that I forgot it, and then I, you know, like make a note, and then I forget where the note is. Or sometimes, you know, I put it in the right place, and it reminds me, and I remember, but I, I remember that I forgot. And then there are other times I don't even remember 
that I forgot. And it's only later, in usually some embarrassing moment, that I remember that I forgot. This doesn't even compare to not even remembering that you forgot when someone reminds you. Because you don't even remember that you ever remembered. Did you tell me that? No, I didn't forget it. I don't think you told me. Well, the chief butler, the chief cupbearer, forgets Joseph for those two years, and then he remembers Joseph. And this is how it happens. He's in the presence of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's had a dream. No one can interpret it, and there's tension in the palace. You know, because these pharaohs, these kings, when they don't get their dreams interpreted, they can go from nice to mean in a flash. And they might say, bring all the wise men in, let them interpret my dream, and if they don't interpret the dream, he can say, kill them all. Off with their heads. Feed them to the lions. Feed them to the dogs. Bury them alive. Kings and pharaohs did things like that when their dreams weren't interpreted. And cupbearers know these things. And I'm sure there was tension. And the the cupbearer remembers that he forgot. And he says, oh, I forgot. I forgot him. Hmm. Maybe he can help. And so the cupbearer tells Pharaoh, I know a man. He's a Hebrew. And he can interpret dreams. And so he summons Joseph. Pharaoh summons Joseph. And he hopes that Joseph's going to interpret this dream that none of his wise men and none of his counselors can interpret. So open up your Bibles to Genesis 41. Let's look at the dream. Joseph said to Pharaoh after he heard the dream, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. This is verse 25. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. The seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are the same. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them, they're seven years. And the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I've spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, because it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice, because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly 
bring it to pass. This is a very important thing to understand. The prophets of Israel understood prophetic things. And they understood that certain things are proclaimed from heaven in order to turn people back to God. And they thus may not work out the way they're described in the prophecy or in the dream if the people repent and turn to God. But there are other things that are absolutely sealed. And no matter what happens between now and then in the future, it is going to remain the same. And Joseph was saying, Pharaoh, it's like that. It's established. You had this dream twice in order to know God is about to do something, and it's established. Nothing is going to change the fact of these seven years of plenty and the following by them of seven years of lack. Nothing will change that. Joseph immediately understands the dream, and he explains it, But then he goes further, and this is one thing I just love about him. He tells Pharaoh the next step that he needs to take because of this dream. I remember once I was in Rochester, a woman came to me and said she was a prophet. I said, okay, prophesy. And she was befuddled. And then she said, I have dreams. You know, like, I can't just stand here and have a dream. I said, okay, so tell me a dream and tell me what it means. And she said, I don't know what they mean. And I said, let me help you. You're not a prophet. (laughs) Pretty simple. That wasn't good news for her. You know, because someone had told her she was a prophet. And I think she woke up in the morning feeling like she was a prophet. But she didn't understand anything. And the prophet receives wisdom so that others can move in God's direction. That's why the prophetic builds up. It doesn't tear down. Even if it rebukes, it builds up. And so Joseph is a prophetic man. Now, he's not prophetic in the sense that a lot of prophets are in that they're just declaring things. You know, they receive a word and they speak the word. And some of you think to be prophetic means to do that and only that. Joseph was prophetic in that he understood things from God. And he understood things that other people didn't understand. He even understood wisdom. He didn't always have wisdom. He was prophetic when he was a teenager, but he didn't have wisdom. He had that dream that he told his brothers. That was stupid. (laughs) That dream got him into slavery. But he learned from it. He learned from it, and he learned, be careful with dreams, who you tell, And what you say about them. And make sure that you understand them and the impact that that dream is supposed to have. And by this time, Joseph's got wisdom and understanding. And he has no, like, lack of confidence, does he? He doesn't say, well, you know, maybe in dreams, you know, these are symbols and these symbols can mean this or that. He says, it's just like this. 
He doesn't use someone else's uh, principles for interpreting the dream. He didn't go to dream interpretation school. He didn't read a book on how to interpret dreams. He didn't even have the benefit of being in the company of the prophets. He was a prophetic man. And he spent a lot of time with God needing to know what was going on. And he was in a lot of circumstances that required that he know what to do. And so God was with him, and the Lord would show him, be wise and faithful when you're a slave. Be wise and faithful when you're a prisoner, because I've got things for you I can't even describe. There's a problem that can't be solved unless I can work with you to raise you up to a position you can't get to. Joseph understands everything's settled, that nothing is conditional, and he tells Pharaoh what he ought to do. Now, isn't that interesting? This guy is, what, just 30 years old? And he has the audacity to speak, not just advice, but direction to Pharaoh. And this is what he says in verse 33. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a wise man with understanding and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land in the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine." Isn't that pretty precise? One-fifth, seven years, do it like this. Find a man, Pharaoh, just for that. And verse 37, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh says to his servants, can we find anyone else like this? A man in whom is the Spirit of God. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as wise and understanding as you. You will be over my house. And all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Look, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Joseph, Pharaoh realizes, is a man of wisdom and a man of understanding. And Pharaoh sees Joseph the way that the Lord sees Joseph. When someone starts seeing you the way the Lord sees you, things begin to change. When someone realizes who you are, who you are according to God's view of you, heaven opens up, eternity intersects, it's like it comes down, it grabs a hold of the future with it, and it comes all the way down here to the present, to the here and the now, and it invades now.
when someone sees who you are in God. Bam! The present world, the real world, it is changed. This is what happened with, with, with Joseph. Pharaoh looks at him, listens to him, understands his understanding, recognizes it's the Spirit of God. He didn't even believe in God. He believed in many gods. And he believed he was one of the incarnations of God himself, Pharaoh did. And he looks at this man, this prisoner who he knows is a prisoner and he knows is a Jew, a Hebrew, and he says, that man's got the Spirit of God in him. And all of his wise men say, he sure does. (laughs) Yes, sir, he does. And Pharaoh says, that advice you had, where could we find a man other than you who could lead this country through these 14 years. You are the man. And you know, at that moment, Pharaoh, he sees Joseph, he recognizes who he is, and that is the end of Joseph being a prisoner. It's over. There is no meeting with the courts. There's not a review of his case. There's no appeal. In one moment, he goes from being a prisoner to being the prime minister. It sort of redefines what we mean by God's election, doesn't it? You know, it's a different kind of election it's, it's, than we're accustomed to thinking about or to seeing in a democracy. Pharaoh says, man, that is the guy. That is the guy. And he turns all authority that had previously been distributed over his whole kingdom, he turns it over to this Jewish kid. God chose Joseph for this, and Pharaoh knew it. Pharaoh got it. Pharaoh saw him, he heard him, and he understood this man has got to take us through this next period because we don't know what to do. And he does. Can you imagine two years in prison? Thirteen years in slavery already. Wondering whether life is over, but knowing it's not over, it's barely begun. Can you imagine being away from your family, rejected by your brothers, sold into slavery in a foreign land, no hope, no future, nobody looking for you, nobody trying to find you, no one wants to buy you back out of slavery. You are forgotten and your life is over, you would think, but Joseph didn't think that way. Because he had a life with God. And God was going through all of this with him. It's an amazing story. The God who we serve, the God of Israel, he knows us. He's not far off. He's not impersonal. He's not just this awesome God who created the world and the universe and then just lets it run its course. He is the good shepherd. The Lord is is my shepherd I shall not want, said David. And even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he 
is with me. And even when my enemies prepare a table, he's, he's with me. The Lord watches over his flock, and his flock, his sheep, come close to him. And then they, sto- they stay close. Now what's important to understand about the life of Joseph is that it always comes up at Hanukkah time. The Jewish calendar and the reading of the Torah is arranged so that Joseph's story always falls on the Sabbath of Hanukkah. Some part of the Joseph story, and usually the best parts, are always in the Shabbat inside of Hanukkah. And so Jewish commentators, being aware of this, they, they see the connection between the story of Joseph and, and the celebration of Hanukkah, and they've noted that it's well established in the minds of the Jewish people and even in popular Jewish imagination. So I decided to test that thought, and, and this afternoon I, I googled story of Joseph and Hanukkah as a phrase. And I was amazed about how many Jewish people write about the connection between Joseph and Hanukkah and the insights that they have and how they see these stories of Hanukkah, the deliverance of the Jewish people being related to Joseph who delivered his brothers and all of Israel. And some of what I read was just, it was wonderful. But I want you to think about this. The Torah reading at Hanukkah is always about the story of a Jewish man rejected by his brothers. Misunderstood by them, mistreated by them, how that man is forgotten by his Jewish family, and how the very ones who reject him find out later that they really need him and his mercy even though now they don't even know it. I want you to understand that so that you can appreciate what happened when Yeshua showed up at Hanukkah in the temple. So turn with me to John chapter 10. Because this story, the story of Joseph, it's the backdrop to the events that are described in John chapter 10. Verse 22. And it's not necessarily written about because it's so well understood. John 10.22. You can correct your Bible if it's flawed. I'll give you a better translation. Now it was the feast of Hanukkah in Jerusalem and it was winter time and Yeshua walked in the temple in Solomon's porch that incidentally became the, the part of the temple that the Messianic Jews hung out in. Verse 24, And then Jews surrounding him said to him, How long are you going to keep us in doubt? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Yeshua answered them and said, I already told you, and still you're not believing me. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. So at this moment, it's Hanukkah time, and Yeshua is asked, is he the Messiah? And he answers, and he says, I've already told you, but you don't believe. And then verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
and I give them eternal life, and they won't perish. Neither will anyone snatch them out of my hand. So Yeshua is saying, clearly he's the Messiah, and that his sheep hear his voice, and that he knows his sheep, and they follow him. And things immediately go crazy. And some of those guys decide they need to throw, to kill Yeshua. Verse 33, then some of them took up stones again to stone him. And Yeshua said, many good works I've shown you from my father. For which of these works do you stone me? And those Jewish guys answered him and said, for good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy because you being a man make yourself God. And so they understood that Yeshua was not just saying that he was Messiah, but they were saying he was saying that he was Adonai as well. They understood that. And so they, they started to throw stones at him, but he escaped. They thought they knew better who Yeshua really was. But they were wrong. Some of them thought he was a fake. These guys thought he was a blasphemer. They wanted to kill him. Some thought he was a revolutionary and that he was going to create such tumult and such trouble that the Romans were going to crush the Jews and take away all their freedom. And they said, you know, it's better that one man would die than all of us lose our, our place, our temple, our, our peoplehood. And you know what? They treated Yeshua the same way Joseph's brothers treated Joseph. No wonder, then, that the name for Messiah when he is the suffering servant is Messiah, son of Joseph. No wonder. Joseph's brothers thought they knew who he was. They hated him. They sold him into slavery. They falsified the circumstances of his death. Remember, they took the blood of a goat and they smeared it on his uh, coat of many colors and brought it back to the father to, to trick him. Why? In order to mislead their father. Why? To cover up their guilt and their shame. So that they could forget what they had done. They didn't really know Joseph. They didn't really know how important he was to them. They, they didn't know how their future depended on him. They didn't know that he would one day decide their fate. They did not know that he would have the power of life and death over them. They thought they knew who Joseph was, and they were wrong. God knew who Joseph was. Have you ever had such relationships with people who didn't really know you, but they thought they did? People who judged you wrongly? People who, who, who thought they knew what you were all about, but they were wrong. And so they related to you in the wrong way. Well, flip back to Genesis with me. Chapter 42. We see that after Joseph was appointed prime minister, the seven years of great harvest came to Egypt, and he stored up grain. And then the seven years of famine began, and Joseph's storehouses preserved all of Egypt. And the famine spread to, to Canaan, to the land of Israel. And Jacob 
Jacob sent his sons down to Egypt to buy grain, and they had no idea who they were buying grain from when they showed up. So chapter 42 of of Genesis, starting in in verse 5, we find the brothers of Joseph facing him, and they don't have any idea who he is. The sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed. For the famine was in the land of Canaan. Verse 6, now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came, and they bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers, and he recognized them. But he acted as a stranger to them, and he spoke roughly to them. And then he said to them, Where do you come from? And he said, and they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And so Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Now, in the same way, Yeshua recognized his brothers, even those who didn't recognize him. And he was not recognized by many who so desperately needed him. And it was on Hanukkah that Yeshua stood in the temple and he made it so clear who he was. So that means that that we have to ask ourselves this question. Ask yourself this question. Do you really know who he is? Because that question will turn out to be the most important question you will ever have to answer. Don't be satisfied with all those arguments you heard in the past from family and from friends. It was the same kinds of arguments about Joseph that led his brothers down the wrong path. And his brothers were wrong. But they convinced each other they were right, didn't they? They, they discussed how bad Joseph was, that 17-year-old, how miserable he was. And some said, he should be killed, he should die. And others said, no, let's just throw him in the pit. Judah thought maybe he could save him later. He couldn't. Interesting, though, isn't it, that... Uh, Yeshua takes on this name, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Wow. Some of life's most important developments begin with mistakes. Even a series of mistakes like Joseph's brothers made, like those around Yeshua made. God uses such failures to break our arrogance and our hubris, and our failures open up us to humility. You may have been mistaken about Yeshua in the same way Joseph's brothers were mistaken about him, and Hanukkah is the time to correct mistakes. It's a time of dedication, of rededication. So my Hanukkah prayer for you, for all of us, is that we would know Yeshua and be known by him. Long ago, Pharaoh recognized the salvation of Egypt and the nations around her depended on God working through Joseph. 
And so he treated Joseph well and he gave him authority in his own life to decide everything except the matters of the throne. Joseph's brothers benefited from that. Today, many Jewish people in Israel and all around the world understand that Israel and all the Jewish people depend on God's salvation in Yeshua. And say to Yeshua, I know who you are. Take your place. But we don't just give all authority except for the throne. We give him the throne. Because that's what belongs to him. And we say, Yeshua, you may have been rejected. You may have been despised. You may have been forsaken by us, your brothers. But we write that wrong. We write that wrong. And we welcome you. We welcome you and your authority in our lives. If that's the position for you to take, you can say, Lord, here I am. Don't cover it up. Don't, don't play games with the circumstances of his death like Joseph's brothers did about his death. Don't lie to your father. Just tell the truth and say, God, I'm sorry. I got it wrong before. Now, now, Lord, I see who you are. Yeshua, my Messiah, son of Joseph, the one who suffered because of me. Now I know who you are. The moment you do that, you move from one kingdom to another. You move from from being outside the flock to being in the fold. And you become one of those people Yeshua talked about. They hear me. They hear my voice. They follow me. I know them. And you find yourself joined in with all the faithful of Israel through the ages. And all those that have been added from the nations through the new covenant. And you are not alone. You may be rejected by some, but you are not forsaken. Hanukkah, now is a good time to say yes to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, many of us looked at you as if you were rejected. Yeshua, as if you were rejected by the God of Israel. And we didn't know that you had come down from heaven for us. We pray, God, that our eyes will remain opened and our hearts will remain open to you so that we can serve you with all of our lives. And so that everything that you've purposed for us and for our nation and for this world can be accomplished. This is our prayer in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Stand up, please.
We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. We've got an extra blessing for you today. We've got the Krispy Kreme blessing. (laughs) See, a Hanukkah tradition is you eat food cooked in oil, but Americans do that every day. (laughs) So we have ordered not French fries and not potato latkes, but Krispy Kreme donuts for you. We have plain donuts. We have jelly donuts, and we don't know how they came, but we have chocolate cream donuts, too, and no other food. I contacted the uh, police department. I understand if you eat more than two donuts, it's considered driving under the influence or driving with impaired faculties. So limit yourself. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, ye'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, our Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, Chanukah Sameach.